This is content, Jamie. Okay. Hi, I'm Jamie. And I'm Beth. Welcome to Thief Steals the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast. And I steal it back. Okay. This week, we are talking about episode three of season three called The Inside Jobs. Before you say anything, no, it is one of my favorite leverage episodes of Mm -hmm. all time. Please do not break my heart. What did you think? I promise to be kind about your opinions and your blobo. (laughs) I think it goes without saying this is a Parker episode. I am not shocked that it's one of your favorites. I absolutely understand why this has a death grip on you. (laughs) So I want to start by saying I wasn't wrong in my prediction. Like it was kind of like, I mean, it was an inside job. Yeah. So it's called the inside job because she was stuck inside. Mm. Well, also because it was an it was literally an, an inside, inside job. job. Yeah. I I don't quite know where to start, but I think I'm going to go with Archie. Yeah. The new character. Yeah. I'm so interested to discuss him because mm. I don't know what to think. There are things about him that I think are very interesting and that I enjoyed. And there are other things about him where I'm like, I don't like this character. Yeah. And it's not, it's not necessarily... Okay, here, do you know who, who I was watching it and I was like, oh, I know the vibe that he's giving me? Yeah. Papa from Stranger Things, who grew the children in a fucking lab and was mm-hmm. basically like, I'm going to use you for your abilities, um, but I'm going to do it under the guise of being a father figure who loves you. And I was like, huh, <laughs> I've seen this film before and I didn't love the ending. Like, it just, it feels manipulative i and like okay actually here is the thing that fucked me up in this episode the fact that he and parker both keep referring to the real family Mm -hmm. and he doesn't correct her Mm -hmm. at the end of the show yeah at the end of the episode when she's like i wouldn't have fit in with the real family anyway and he doesn't fucking say you are real family I was going to throw my laptop. Or even, it doesn't matter, I still should have... Yeah. Like, actually... I was waiting for it. I was like, they've made a point twice about the quote-unquote real family this episode. I was like, they're going to subvert it at the end. Obviously. Mm -hmm. Because she is... Like, they clearly really care about each other. They're going to make that, you know, text. And I was like, and then they fucking didn't. And I was one mad because I was like, Parker deserves to hear... She does. She was Mm -hmm. real family. And two, it annoyed me because of the narrative symmetry that they just decided to throw out the fucking window. I was like, this is beautiful. You've set it up perfectly. And then they were like, actually, no. And I was like, God, what am I watching? Supernatural? Like, no, this is leverage. They were supposed to be better than that. (laughs) Anyway, sorry, that's a tangent. It probably doesn't come as a shock to you that many people don't like Archie a lot. Specifically for sort of that reason. Like, his treatment of Parker is one thing that the there are a lot of people in the fandom don't love. Like, mm. you could like Archie as a character and not love his treatment of Parker because at the end of the day, he has every excuse for treating her essentially like an apprentice or an employee mm. instead of family when she was a literal child. Yeah. She was a child without a family and without – and, like, he refers to himself as her father. Yeah. And yet he calls her kiddo. He calls her kiddo. But she refers to him not as dad, not even as Archie, as sir. Yeah. And that moment at the end, yeah, 
he's sort of putting all of the emotional weight on her. Mm-hmm. Instead of being like, you know what? I messed up. You are a part of my real family. I'm sorry that I didn't treat you that way. Yeah. He goes, oh, well, she forgives me, so it's fine. You found your own family anyway. And, like, don't get me wrong. She did find her own family because she is a babe and I love her. Mm -hmm. But she was a child. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's what – here's the thing that fucking gripes me is we've talked before and you pointed out to me actually – about the cereal, right, mm-hmm. and how important that is because mm-hmm. we know that Parker grew and up. And we get more cereal in this episode. If you look at her room, when you walk in, there's literally a wall yeah. of cereal. We're going to talk about her room. Mm-hmm. We're going to come back to that. We'll that is, that is yeah. all. That's a, a minefield of analysis. Yeah. But so the thing that fucks me up, yeah, or fucks me off, rather, mm-hmm. is that we know that she grew up essentially homeless. We yeah. know this. We And it comes back to the cereal thing and about shelf-stable and easy to carry and cheap and, you know. And we even know, like, even in this episode, we find out that the way she met Archie was she tried she to pick pickpocket at him. Yeah, exactly. And 12 years ago, which would make her about 12, 13, 14, 15, yeah. sort of early teens, somewhere in that yeah. sort of range. I would, I, have, I would have guessed somewhere between 10 and 14. Like, that was my – I don't actually know exactly how old she is, but that was my kind of guess yeah. when, you know, he said that. And – I hate that he clearly knew the situation she was in. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what did you do about it? Like, did I want to know, like, did he set her up somewhere else? Like, was he paying for her to, like, live somewhere mm-hmm. else? Did he, like, set her up with some kind of network? Did he, like, what did he do to keep her safe? He trained her. Sure. Mm-hmm. But, like... I'm I'm also thinking it is implied that he did... Like, he trained her how to steal stuff, but he also trained her how to set up, like, a base of operations mm-hmm. so that she had somewhere to stay. Like, I don't think it's necessarily implied that he gave her any of those things, but I definitely think it's implied that he at least showed her how to obtain them. Okay. All right. Because I was kind of sitting there, like, you saw an opportunity... That would benefit you Mm -hmm. and you manipulated a child into performing this duty for you. And it just, like, and it would be bad enough even if he was providing her food, shelter, comfort. But he wasn't. No. Like, he was, it was even worse than it could have been. He may have on paper been providing her with, like, food, shelter and, like, but what this episode tells us is that, even if he was meeting all of her physical needs in terms of, like, the need for water and food and mm-hmm. housing and that sort of stuff, he wasn't meeting any sort of emotional needs. Mm-hmm. Like, he was... And she clearly idolises him. Yeah. Like, and it's just... It's painful to watch because we love Parker and mm. we want good things for Parker and we want people to love Parker and appreciate Parker for who she is as a person. Yeah. Not just what she can do for that, like so. And actually, I think this is a really way to look at leverage as a series, as a sh- as a collective show, which is like all of these people who are known for their niche specialty, mm-hmm. and people want to use them as a tool to achieve an end. But as a team, as a collective, they don't want to use each other. Mm-hmm. They want to help each other, and they just they appreciate each other. As the people that they are outside of what they can do. So you remember how in the first season you kept on asking me why are these people choosing to work together? We now have a concrete reason for Parker to want to work together. Because she wanted a family. Mm. She idolised Archie. Archie had a family. 
but she was always stuck on the outside Mm -hmm. of his quote-unquote real Real family. family. So Mm. when she, you know, when she was introduced to this group of people, and, like, she couldn't trust them. Yeah. Not all the way. Yeah. But, like, they, they clearly were there to support her and they were there like they had her back yeah even like they had to professionally mm-hmm. have her back and then that's grown into like emotionally and mm-hmm. like oh my god the things that actually something that really fucked me up in this episode in like an emotional way instead of like an i'm mad way yeah was the moment where hardison is like i can't do it like it's impossible or whatever and nate goes for Parker, he goes, can you do yeah. it? He goes, can you do it? He's like, no. You, no. Mm. But then he clarifies for Parker, can you do it? And Hudson would move the moon yes. for Parker. Like. Absolutely insane. This episode makes me more feral than you can believe. <laughs> um, but there are, there is just so much in this episode that it's, and a lot of it is incredibly heartbreaking, specifically mm-hmm. for me. And we also, we do get the scene where it is implied that Archie does care deeply about Parker because he's talking to Nate and he's going, like, this isn't what we do. We don't, like, we get out, mm-hmm. you know. And, like, Nate's like, this is what we do. And he's yeah. going, but you've killed her. Mm-hmm. You've killed Parker. Like, th- look, you and your, st- I think he says, you and your stupid Robin Hood fantasies. Yeah. You've killed her. Mm-hmm. And then he seems shocked that Nate would be going in after Parker. Yeah, exactly. It's this funny kind of... They're both invested in Parker's safety and well-being, mm-hmm. but from completely different perspectives. So Archie was willing to involve Parker in this dangerous thing in mm-hmm. the first place. Yeah. And when it goes bad, he's like, right, you need to get out. But he isn't able to help her get out. And he's not going to go into the building to fetch her. Whereas Nate is like, we didn't even know she was fucking doing this. Mm -hmm. But, like, technically she's, like, gone behind our backs a little bit here. And we're kind of pissed. But we're still going to risk all our lives to go in and get her out. Yeah. Even though Archie was the one who brought her into it. Mm -hmm. And, like, she didn't involve anyone else. No. She didn't want to bring them into it for various reasons reasons not just for safety but you know because she could have gone to them and said hey guys and then between if they had all worked together like with archie as well like they probably could have taken this like no issue so it's just oh god the the parallels between nate and archie are really fascinating and the way that they're both prioritizing parker but just completely differently also just the way that nate supports parker's decision parker Mm -hmm. says i cannot leave if i leave she can walk out of the blight and kill millions of people and i cannot do that like Mm -hmm. that is this is a decision i am making on my conscience i cannot Mm -hmm. have the lives of all of these people who are going to die because it's going to be a massive fucking famine Mm -hmm. because this woman is evil Mm -hmm. but archie does not support her decision yeah he keeps saying that like you broke her Yes. And I think that is so interesting because if we go back to the start of season two, when they are sitting in the bar and they're like saying to Nate, like, it was like that whole thing of like, look what you did. You took a perfectly good thief and you gave it morals, you know, yeah. and it's that, you you know, you broke us. Yeah. Like we, we have this stupid moral compass now. And it is so interesting to watch an outsider who knew Parker separately being like you broke her I made this thing which he keeps being like I made this thing and I'm like fuck off she made herself you were just there she was already able to pickpocket you at the age of like 12 or yeah like yeah 
get off your high fucking horse, mate. Like, sure, you were there sort of guiding her, but you didn't fucking make her. Also, uh, do you remember in the snow job where you were, like, it's kind of weird, like, uh, Sophie brought up, like, oh, remember how, like, think about your father's death, and Parker was laughing. Mm-hmm. It's because she was thinking of Archie and the way he faked his death. Oh, dear. Yeah. Fun layers there. I love that. Because, yeah, it feels like she's laughing about the fact that she blew them up. No. Uh. She's <laughs> laughing because I'm pretty sure, like, it's a car accident in Paris or something. And, like, mm. like literally Nate is like, oh, I thought, like, you're pretty spry for, spry for a dead guy. Like, yeah. I thought you died, like, da-da-da. And he was like, oh, no one fell for that. That's why she's laughing. Yeah. Because oh, he's so faked funny. his own death. Yeah. I love that. That's such a fun little attention. Like, attention to detail yeah. and, like, throwback thing. Like Yeah. Oh, that's cute. Oh, speaking of the scene where she blows up her parents. Yeah. Which, what a wild sentence. But the rabbit on yeah. her bed, is that the same fucking toy? That's the same rabbit. Oh, I thought so. Yeah. I was like, that... I bet is the same thing. And I was like, that is so cute that she still has that. But also I'm like, you know, you know how serial killers will sometimes like keep mementos. I was like, is this the Parker equivalent? Is she like just every crime she commits, she just like keeps a little something, something. <laughs> like, No, I think it's specifically because that is like. Yeah, they were trying to draw the parallel. It was a childhood toy. Mm. Um, though while we are talking about that, let's talk about the warehouse. Okay. Let's talk about. Okay. First up. The code to Parker's warehouse. Oh, yes. Is Sophie's real name. Okay. Now, here's the thing. I have two notes on this. Uh, My number one note is that her name must end in an A, a B, or a C because the last number she presses is two before she presses the hash. Yeah. Right? Here's my other point. I don't know if it's actually her real name or if she just had another idea of what the code might be and she got it. Because I feel like the way the line is delivered, it personally to me feels like she's just saying it to kind of piss Nate off. Like, and that's just like, either way it's hilarious. Yeah. Like either interpretation I think is iconic. But yeah, so either her name ends in an A, B or a C or she's just pissing Nate off intentionally. Well, I will say we don't get any more information about Parker's code. So okay, it could so be either it could genuinely be Sophie's real name or it could be just Sophie pissing off Nate. I do think that Sophie trying to piss off Nate does make sense given like the opening of the episode where there we'll get to that. Yeah. I have some thoughts. But do we ever find out Sophie's actual real name as the audience? Oh, I can't tell you that. Can you just give me a yes or a no? I can't tell you that. Well, because that's the only other way I could confirm if her name ends in an A or B or a C. <laughs> I, I genuinely don't know what to tell you. Like, there is no real way for me to answer that without giving you some sort of spoilers. Oh, I mean, I guess that's true. I just didn't think that knowing whether or not we got her name could be a spoiler of anything else other than whether or not we get her name. And I figured her name would be the spoiler. But that's fine. If you if you deem it too spoilery, I will respect that. It, it's not so much like that it's the answer itself is spoilery. It's like... That answer is connected to a few other, like, plot threads mm. that I don't want to, like, give you any indication on. I just realised I'm a moron. I should have counted how many buttons she pressed. <laughs> I might have to go back. <laughs> I've never gone back and rewatched the Leverage episode, but I might have to just to count the buttons. <laughs> I'm going to figure out this damn name if it kills me. But uh, So we get... They, she gets in regardless. Sophie knows the code. Whether it's her real name or not, Sophie yeah. knows the code, mm-hmm. which is incredible. Fucking fascinating, yeah. And then we get into the warehouse itself, which she's using as a base. We get multiple comments. We get, I think it's Elliot who points out, this is as clean as one of your jobs, Nate, which is mm. fascinating. Yeah. We also get, obviously, the wall of cereal. Mm-hmm. We get 
There's a balance beam. Yeah. <laughs> there is, like, the files everywhere. There's, like, all of the equipment laid out. I love the glass whiteboard thing. Yes. Whiteboard is probably not the correct term because it's yeah. not. But you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Dry erase board or whatever. Yeah. Technical terms, etc. We also get what is probably my favorite detail of the space, which is the rack of clothing that's not clothing. It's just various, like, harnesses yeah. and rigs. and Yeah. So... I feel like a show like this often is just like, oh, well, they just use, like, they just have it. It's like, and you never actually see, like, where they store that sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. I like that, like, you see her storage of all of that sort of stuff. Like, yeah. she's got it all. What I do think is really interesting is, like, the bed. The type of bed surprised me. And I don't know what I expected, but now that I, because I never really considered where they sleep. Yeah. But, like, your bedroom, technically. Yeah. It's going to be where you have the most of yourself, you yeah. know, like where, I mean, we're sitting on my bedroom floor right now. You can look around and you can see the things I like, you know, you can tell a little bit about my personality based on the room that we're in. And it's very grandma. Yeah, exactly. It's very grandma-esque, you know, and that's, that's me. But what strikes me about Parker is like, for some reason, I would have, if you'd asked me, described to you what I thought mm. of Parker's bedroom, I would not have imagined a like... A bed frame like that or yeah. like a doona cover like that or like, you know, for me, I would have thought maybe like a swag, you yeah. know, like I'm not thinking about her having any kind of decorative like thing. She's so practical yeah. and very rarely do we see her with any kind of frill or accessory that she hasn't been put into for the sake of a case. I think the bed frame for me, personally, Mm. the style of bed frame it is, I think it's very likely that's the sort of bed frame she would have had if she was in, like, foster care. Oh, okay. Like, so it's sort of like a... It's a holdover from, like, her childhood. Mm. Because... Or it even may have been, like, before, like, her brother died and that, like, her actual family went to kind of shit. Yeah. I think maybe that was the sort of bed she had then. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, like... Yeah, so personally, like, the style of bed makes me think... It's the sort of bed that you would get a kid if you were living in, like, the 90s. Yeah. Oh, I had definitely had friends who grew up with beds like that. Yeah. Like, it is... Like, for me, that sort of bed, that's... That's the style of bed it is. Like, that's the sort of bed you get a kid mm-hmm. when they're young. Like, the first bed or whatever. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I just thought it was like... I think it would... I Everything really... else about her space was temporary and very easily movable. Everything Except was, for the bed. Everything was super practical. Yeah. And, like, this is the other thing. Like, the bed was the center focus as yeah. well. And it had the toy on it, which is, like, another thing yeah. that, like... And it was also perfectly made. Like, yeah. which I think is a really interesting detail because, again, Parker feels kind of like a chaotic character but when you actually like look at her she's meticulous and you can see it through the series but Mm -hmm. being in such an intimate set related to her specifically it is so obvious and even the characters are like wow this is like so specific and it's like yeah that makes a lot of sense actually like even um recently i forget what the episode was called but we had um, oh, it was when Nate was in the prison at the very oh, start of the season. Inside job. And yeah. you had Hardison and... No, this was the inside job. Oh, the, sorry. The jailhouse job. Yes. Um, and you had Hardison versus Nate versus Parker and the different ways they were mapping things. Yeah. And the way Parker was mapping things is exactly aligns with the way that, you know, all these schematics and things were laid out. As sort of chaotic or random as Parker sort of seems, like if you actually look at the way she acts, mm. everything is precise everything is methodical like Mm -hmm. there is not anything about parker that is random or wild or chaotic Mm. it's just 
for people who don't understand her system, who can't see her system, mm-hmm. she appears to be. Yeah, yeah. It seems like she's making these random wild decisions, but it's like, no, no, she has completely planned this out. Yeah. You just weren't expecting it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so, it's such an interesting sort of look into her character to see this set. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's wild to see the other characters kind of walking around in it. Yeah. As well, because she's not there. It almost feels invasive. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. One thing I did want to point out, though, is Nate's like, you know, oh, we're going to go steal a park or whatever. And I was like, that's quite fun. Mm-hmm. But just before that, He's like, all right, we've got to, like, figure this out. And Elliot's like, how? We don't even know where she's at. And then Nate's like, oh, she's in this building and takes it yeah. off with the thing. And I was like, yeah, Elliot, hmm, do you think any of the schematics of the building surrounding you that you just talked about might give you a clue as to where she could possibly be? <laughs> I feel like it's also just, like, he's, like, thinking more practically. Like, okay, yeah, we know she's in this building. But we don't know, like, where. But we don't know where yeah. in this building. And it's like... 30 odd stories. Yeah, like, which is fair. Which is. But it did make The me way giggle, he said like, it is like, oh, I don't. We have no idea where she is. It's like, you have an idea where she is. Yeah, exactly. You just don't actually know where she is. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we also we get an important plot thing this episode, which is Steranko security systems. Steranko sounds like if TikTok was a security system. Like, yeah. the way they describe it, I'm like, that just sounds like the For You page algorithm. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so there are, like, in this series, we get a couple of, like, sort of like brand quote-unquote brands that like pop up again so Mm -hmm. like one is the safe company that's named after the writers that we see quite a few of um because they didn't want to actually have an actual safe company yeah so we've got that one and i forget uh glenn reader yeah glenn reader safes i forgot the names for a minute but so we get glenn reader safes Mm -hmm. that sort of pop up occasionally through the series we see quite a few of them fun little easter egg like a fun little easter egg Storenko's another one that will pop back up. Oh, okay. and is it, it is... in reference to something? The name? I don't think Storenko's actually in reference to anything. I'm going to okay. Google it while I talk. But as far as I know, Storenko is not a reference, mm. um, like, the same way Glenn Reader is. Um, but it is important to note that we have now been given yet another sort of another obstacle. Like, it's the same thing as when we meet Sterling. Mm-hmm. It's like we now have a system... That they can't crack. Yeah, and I think... How does Hardison describe it? Like, Is that the quote that's like, I'm hacking a security system that the Pentagon calls overcool with a laptop that I found in the backseat of my van? That's the one. Yes, no, I I loved that line. I thought it was very fun. Okay, so it is a reference. It's named after Jim Sterenko, who was an innovative comic book artist and escape artist slash illusionist. Oh, so it's a reference, but not like a reference to the writers, like Glenn Reader is. Yeah. But... Yeah, so we get the first instance of a Storenko security system, which is important because I think you, you've said a lot that it sometimes feels like these characters can't fail. Yeah. And like in this episode, I would argue that they don't fail. No. But also, it's nice. they to don't that, win. Yeah, it's nice to know that they have something that can at least challenge them. Yeah. Um, although I would I would probably say they do win in this particular instance. Like they one get Parker out and they two defeat the lady. So I would I would class that as a win. They do, however, when we see it pop back up again, they they refer to it not as beating a Storenko, but rather escaping. Okay, yeah. Oh, I was thinking about them like winning yes. 
in the they, scenario, they, but in, they win this... over the insight, like Han, Dr. Hannity, who's yeah. a fucking monster. Yeah. They win over Dr. Hannity, but they don't actually win against the Storenko. Yes. Because they don't beat the Storenko, they escape it. Yeah. And they only escape it because the CEO wanted privacy in his office. If the security system had been fully implemented the way it should have been, mm-hmm. they would not have managed to escape it. Yeah. Which is impressive. Yes. Honestly. So we get we get Stranko's, we get Parker's place, we get Archie, who is Did you expect this episode to make Nate the Bobby like parallel? Like No, I didn't. I also I don't I don't know if this is a controversial take. Yeah. Um and I say it with no shade at all intended to the actor who portrays Archie. But I was not a fan of his performance. Yeah. It for me, I just felt like it was very middling. Like it it was like, fine. It did the job, but it wasn't anything that made you particularly compelled about it. I character. just thought it was kind of boring. And I, I again, yeah. I don't mean any shade because he did have some moments like the emotional moments with Parker and stuff I thought were really lovely. Mm. But like the very start where he's first interacting with Nate and that yeah. initial phone call, I was like, this feels very flat given mm. the like inherent tension that is supposed to be here and like the urgency of the situation. For me, it felt like... If anyone's familiar with the night of the uh, the night at the museum franchise, he felt like he was supposed to be like Cecil, who is mm. one of the older gentlemen in that film, who was like painted as the villain, and he's sort of you think he's like this sort of nice normal guy, but actually he's a lunatic. Yeah, like it felt like he was supposed to be that, but he wasn't. It just felt lackluster, and I think when you're comparing him to like the other characters that we're used to in Leverage. Yeah. He just kind of felt flat. See, I would argue that that's purposeful. Mm. Because, like, you got to remember, his character is a master thief. He cannot let his emotions get the better of him. Like, so everything is sort of muted and, cut, like, tamped down because he knows that emotions get you killed. I don't know. Some, something about it just didn't sit right with yeah, me. Well, that's fair enough. Like, everyone has different opinions. Yeah. It's not worth harping on about. No, and I just think, like, I think it... The introduction of the character is interesting, but yeah, something something about it. I just it felt like it was just missing a certain je ne sais quoi. Like yeah, just personally. Yeah, no, that's absolutely fine. I really just quickly want to talk about the real MVP in this episode, mm. and that is the dude who's so convinced Parker is from Cubicle Twenty Seven <laughs> and has been the woman that he's been sexting because. He is such a precious little bean, and I kind of love him. Office culture is so interesting. <laughs> it's like its own little microcosm. Yeah. Like, it's bizarre. Um, I did love the moment when Elliot, like, throws him against the wall, and Parker has to be like, no, no, he's cool. And then she's like, he's my boyfriend. And he just gets this, like, crushing, like, this is such a bad day. It's so funny. Like, like Obviously, he doesn't return. He's a once-off character. Oh, yeah. I would have been but, like, surprised if he'd shown up four episodes like, later. I do. I, I do. I, I think he's a really fun character, and I feel so bad for him. He is having such a bad day. Like, <laughs> he gets fired. Yeah. And then he, like, he meets the woman who he's been, quote-unquote, sexting with. Mm-hmm. And then he finds out that the woman that he's been sexting with has a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Who promptly physically assaults him. Yeah. I kind of want to know who the actual Cubicle yeah. 27 was. You know? The real mystery of this like, episode. I like to think that she was somewhere out there looking for him. Yeah. You know? like, <laughs> Or maybe she just was out sick that day. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? So, I want to talk about the fact that everyone gets 
fired, right? Or Sophie yeah. basically is just like, I'm firing all of you kind of thing. If and you I, can convince me that you're necessary, we will rehire you back. Yeah. And here's the fucking thing. And, like, I understand the tactic. Like, I get that she's trying to freak everyone out yeah. and stuff. And obviously, like, losing your job is a very bad thing, especially, yeah. like... At the time, it was like no, a recession. There wasn't a lot of jobs going in that, like... Yeah, and it's also a matter of, like, if you have no heads up and you have no backup plan, like, it's a huge financial stress yeah. and emotional stress and, like, you know, it, it's a terrible thing to find out. However, given the recent Twitter drama, it did make me laugh because I was like, this tactic did not work for Elon Musk. <laughs> this tactic was, like, literally you know, convince me that you're important, otherwise you can leave. And they all left. And then <laughs> it's literally like, I genuinely was watching this and I was like, this would not work on me. I would literally walk out and just let them discover how essential my job was, a la Twitter employees. Like, I, I just thought it was really funny, given recent events specifically. Yeah. But also, I did want to note that, like, all of them freaking out and panicking and, and starting yelling and stuff is really not putting their best professional foot no. forward. I was like, guys... This is the worst reaction you could have. Yeah. And I get that Sophie's playing them and it's the point. Yeah. But I was also like, this is not the way you handle this. No. I If I was Sophie, I'd be like, wow, none of these people know how to be professionals in the yeah. workplace. Granted, she was being rude and like taunting Yeah, purposefully. Like but also, like, you need to be able to retain a certain level of professionalism. Yeah. And it makes me think that none of them have ever worked in food service. Because you have to be able to take a bit of shit and not lose your mind. You know? I don't know. That was just my thoughts while I was watching that scene. I do want to do a shout out to one of my favorite lines this episode. And so far this season, actually. I mean, granted, we're only three episodes yeah. in. But Sophie's line about thieves find entrances, grifters make them. I was like, oh, beautiful. I loved that. Mm -hmm. And she's, first of all, she's absolutely correct. Yeah. Second of all, it's just like a very fun like, way of putting it. I just really love that it's line. It's also a really nice tie-in to her line from earlier in the episode where she goes, and they're like, why, how the fuck do you not know what a strinkle is? And she's yeah. like, I'm a grifter. If I'm doing my job right, then the mark just turns off the, turns alarm. Off the alarm for me. Like, yeah. she doesn't need to know, like, exactly what specifications, like, mm -hmm. she doesn't need to know the differences between alarm systems because ultimately it doesn't matter. Yeah. Her job is to get the alarm turned off. And I also want to make a point about that because you just made the whole point about how they didn't defeat the system, they escaped it. Mm -hmm. And... Here is the thing. I don't know if you could consider having someone disable the system, defeating it, but human user error. I think that that may be, like that line that Sophie made, could be one of those little hinty hinty yeah. bits that could like lead to it being something that comes up later because you told me that there is like a more overarching plot this season and so I'm looking for it. Okay, yeah. And so maybe like if the this particular system comes up again as like, you know, at the end of the um oh god what's the name of the dude that they've been kind of More sort right. of hired yes you know if it comes out that he is using this system mm -hmm. i wonder if the way they get around it is literally having sophie have someone turn it off or like somehow yeah. disable it by mm -hmm. con rather than having harvest and hacker and i think that would be so interesting because it subverts their roles in a fun way because you'd think that that would be hardison's job yeah but it wouldn't be, it would be Sophie. And then it's, I just think that that would be so fun and interesting. And I'm like, I'm kind of like banking on it. Oh, also on this note, this is a theory thing. Okay. I want to know 
and I don't know if you can tell me this, mm-hmm. but at the very start of the episode, when Nate's like cooking and yeah. he has that weird tension yeah. with Sophie, there's a news program on in the background, mm-hmm. and I couldn't catch what they were saying in the news break. Uh, program and I didn't have time to rewind yeah. and rewatch it, but I want to know if that's at all relevant. So I actually I did make a note of what the television program is saying because really? it's the same reporter as oh later in the episode. as later in the episode yeah and she's saying about the reason I noted it down is because she's talking about a revolutionary scientific breakthrough by <laughs> Thomas Swift and I'm like if Beth didn't catch this. <laughs> I'm just going to let her know that it was a revolutionary science breakthrough by Dr. Thomas Swift. Obsessed with that. (laughs) So I don't think that comes into play. It might do, though. I might be misremembering something. But if it is, I've never connected those dots. Okay. I I don't think it is, though. But no comment to all of that. Um, Okay. But if anyone else wants to talk to me about what Beth has just said... (laughs) Feel free to join me in the spoilery chats of the Leverage channels <laughs> because I'm not allowed to say anything. I I cannot say anything. That is I not allowed. too close to something. And you have no idea. You have oh. no idea. Absolutely none. Like literally no idea. <laughs> I love this for you. It's such a fun position to be in because I can just say whatever I want. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I like it. Oh, I have a question. Mm-hmm. This is just a, like a random little thing from the very top of the episode. So Parker is like, it's literally the opening and she's like running from the guards who like, they've realized that there's an intruder. Oh, quick side note. During the episode at some point, they refer to the intruder specifically using he, him pronouns. And that yeah. pissed me off because I was like, don't you dare assume they're the villains. Because... Of course they're going to assume some. But oh. also, they like, think so it's Archie. you think Archie. a woman couldn't break in? They think it's Archie. Oh, actually, that's a good point. They actually do think that they know who it is. Yeah. Never mind. I... <laughs> Never mind. So it's I likely that like Hannah T or the Mr. Voorhees ref- used he, him pronouns, so everyone okay. else just used he, yeah. him pronouns. My note was, oof, them assuming the intruder is a man? Hate that. To be but fair, actually, though, we they... did, and we did have literally last episode where the entire con was blown because they assumed someone's pronouns. Yes, exactly. So, anywho, they're running around and trying to find Parker, and Parker's, like, obviously trying to evade them. And, first of all, she takes off the, like, face cover, and I was like, I understand that this is the reveal for the audience, but I was also like, that seems silly. I don't know why you'd do that. I don't think it's silly, because if she's wearing a full mask, she looks more like the intruder. Oh, I suppose so. she was changing. she was changing tactics Mm, from, like... Trying to be... Because, obviously, they've already realised there's an intruder. Yeah, she's already been caught. She's already been... Like, they already know there's an intruder. So, Mm -hmm. looking like an intruder... Is not going to help your case. Is not going to help her case. Okay. Like, she's better off trying to blend in with everybody else to hide in plain sight. Yeah. Okay. That's fine, then. But my next note was, like, they chase her, like, sort of around... Within the building, they kind of go down Mm -hmm. a corridor, and they it loops back around, and then she, like, hides behind a corner. But then... She hides again, and they go back to the same intersection that they started at, and they decide to split up. And half of them go back down the same corridor that they have just done a loop of. <laughs> I was like, guys. They're dumb. <laughs> I was like, you again, literally just did this. <laughs> it's the human element of the Storenko that really fucks them up. Yeah, so funny. I that's And this is, here's the thing, human error. Mm. There's got to be a human error, uh, and I just think that that's very fun. Oh, also, very quick aside. Um, yeah, Elliot broke his nose at some point. He's got like a little bandage across his nose the whole episode. 
So this could fall into one of two camps. Christian Kane could have just accidentally broke his nose doing something fucking stupid. And totally reasonable assumption. Or they're just trying to imply that, like... There's been some kind of fight. Yeah, Yeah. like, something else has happened off screen. Like, Mm -hmm. it's that thing of implied time, of, like, we don't see every single job that the crew does. We just see the ones that are interesting, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. That are relevant. So, Mm -hmm. like, one of two, because I'm pretty sure last episode... Unless from last episode, like a member of the Viserat, when they were in that whole like fight oh, scene in the office where he's trying to protect the computer. Oh, yeah. Unless they broke his nose then. And they're just trying to like have continuity. Have a little bit of continuity. Yeah. I don't remember. No. But in any case, I noticed it in every scene he was in and I was like, huh, I don't remember why that's there. Um, I don't think they specifically tell you. It's not no. like... Mm-hmm. It's not like Sam's bloody cast that I didn't know for, like... (laughs) Two episodes. To be fair, though. To be fair, he had it covered by, like, layers. Yeah. For, like, every one of those... Like, you can only see it on his hand, and I don't look at Sam's hand. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Not the right show. Oh, you remember how in the two life crew job, you were like, it's unrealistic that she can flip through moving lasers. Yes. She's trained for this shit. I still think that it's unrealistic she could flip through moving lasers. Like, I, I stand by that. Although, at least in this one, she had her hair up. Yeah. So, you know, at least there is that. She, she has training, though. Yeah, but, like, I, I still, for me, I'm still, yeah. like, I get that they're showing off how impressive she is. Yeah. And, like, TV magic, and, like, I get it. And it, I wasn't going to fault it for it, yeah. but I still think it's unrealistic. Mm. And the only reason I care is that this show puts so much emphasis on making sure that everything they do is possible. Yeah. And so I'm like, it stands Except out like a in the cases where they're like, we can't do what's possible because then we'll get sued to hell and back. Yes, exactly. But like, there's still all of that mm. level of thought. And I think that's why when they have stuff in there where I'm like, that is just not... Like, if if I could see it, if I could watch someone actually do it with my own eyes and be like, oh, it is possible, then I would be like, yeah. I retract all previous statements. However... I it, it just seems like something I would doubt you could actually do. If anyone has, like, a YouTube video or something that they're like, yeah. no, no, this is possible, people do actually do it, please feel free to send yeah. it through to us. I would love to see it. But also, I just I can't suspend yeah. my belief that okay. much. Fair. Do you have a point that you'd like to make next? Otherwise, I do have a question for you. Okay. I have one other point. While we're kind of talking on, like, the training mm-hmm. yeah. um, element. So it's about Archie. Yeah. I felt like during this episode, before I've – Obviously, before I'd seen the whole thing, so I was about, I think, about midway through, and I felt like Archie was like evaluating them. Like, it felt like mm. an audition almost. And it was really interesting because I was like, it almost felt like when Tara was introduced yeah. and you didn't know that she was Tara until yeah. the very end of the episode. And I was like, it kind of feels like he's testing them. Mm. Like, it almost feels like he. And I kind of got by the end of the episode that this wasn't what happened. But, like, yeah. for a minute there, I was wondering if he involved Parker to bait. Yeah. the others to actually see if they're as good as he's heard on the grapevine yeah. kind of thing and like to challenge them with like the hardest possible task yeah. and see but he's also definitely heard of them through the grapevine yeah or through parker yeah we don't get confirmation which one but simply the fact that he knew to call nate yeah i have to assume that he has heard Maybe from multiple sources. Like, yes. maybe from, like, all around Yeah, he has heard what's going on. Mm. But I also wanted to point out that, like, when Nate and Archie are both talking to Parker and she's saying, like, I want to stay and I want to, you know, yeah. work this out. And Nate's going, I respect your decision. Let's find a way for you yeah. to do that. And Archie's like, no, you just get out. Yeah, exactly. I My note was Archie needs to get in line. You have to work cooperatively. Because his whole thing was like, you're going to get her killed. You've killed her. And I was like, he hasn't 
but if you keep trying to contradict, like if you guys yeah. are on the same page and you're giving her conflicting advice and you're putting her in this, she's already stressed. But if you get her to choose between her two father figures right yeah. now, as well on top of everything else, she's going to fuck up and make a mistake and that is going to get her killed. Yeah. You actually need to cooperate here. Yeah. And like, it was just another thing that I wanted to talk about because I thought it was really interesting, the difference between his idea of what it is to be an individual con artist mm-hmm. versus the way that Nate and the rest of the crew run their operation. Yeah. Very much on, it is so important and integral that all of them work as a unit. And like the amount that they can accomplish as a unit versus as an individual. And I mean, we also just get the moment where where Nate says she was broken. Mm-hmm. And I like the use of the word was here. To imply mm. that she's not anymore. Mm-hmm. 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 I, the, the Parker-Cass parallels yeah. are insane, particularly in this episode. And I really want to talk to you about them, but I also don't want to spoil stuff. And this is also probably not the right podcast. Yeah. But, oh boy, th- some of the, some of the language used, some yeah. of the parallels used, it, it was just so viscerally cascoded. <laughs> I was enjoying it thoroughly. Um, but yes, I also really liked the use of the past tense. I Look, this episode kills me, and the thing that kills me the most is just the way they describe, like, Archie's quote-unquote real family. Mm-hmm. And the way that, like, obviously it's nothing that Archie's ever said, but it's just everything he's ever done has told Parker that she is not his real family, and yeah. she is not good enough to be part of his real family, mm-hmm. and he doesn't care enough to let her interact with the real family. Yeah, it's... The whole actions speak louder than words. And it's like you can tell someone you care about them. Mm -hmm. You can scream it till you're blue in the face. But if you don't actually... And, like, obviously Archie does care about her, Mm. but also... But he's not showing her. Yeah. He's telling her, but he's not showing Mm -hmm. her. And those are two very different Mm. things. And it doesn't ultimately... Ultimately, it's not about how he feels. It's about how she feels. Mm. And if she doesn't feel like he cares, then he's not appropriately showing her that. I don't think she feels like he doesn't care, but I do think that she feels abandoned, maybe is the word, because... Also the way he describes it, he's like, I trained her and then I released her on the world. Yeah. Implies that they're not, like, they're not touching base. They're not, like, they're Mm. not close now. He trained her and then he just unleashed her. Like, Mm -hmm. he... It low-key feels like the night circus. Yeah. It's not like, oh, I trained you and I'm your father and, like, we still catch up for brunch. You just work by yourself now. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, no, I just – I trained you and then I cut all ties almost yeah. immediately until I needed a partner because my actual family was getting blackmailed. Yeah, and it's that whole thing about, like, what you can give someone versus, like, just liking them for who they are. It's, yeah. it's versus – it's wanting someone around because of what they can do for you versus wanting someone around just because you enjoy their company. Like, very different scenarios. Okay, that's really depressing. Let's get into something. <laughs> this whole episode is really depressing. Uh, okay, I just... I, I have a question for you. Okay. So, we learn in this episode that Nate learned how to cook in prison. Mm. Do you have any other guesses as to what else Nate might have learned in prison? Well... I, this is the thing. I don't think they actually ever show us him cooking in the prison, but they do show him in the laundry room a mm. lot. So I don't know. Maybe he learned how to like yeah. sew. Mm. Maybe he's out here making yeah. Sophie's, you know, costumes mm-hmm. for her various cons or her various performances. That could be fun. What else could he have learned in prison? Mm. We see him with the checkerboard. Maybe he got mm-hmm. good at board games. Maybe he's like an ace at Monopoly now. 
Because yeah, we do we do get more skills that he picked up in prison. Okay. And they are plot relevant. Oh, okay. Here's a wild one. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe he knows how to like style hair. Okay. Yeah. I feel like he he's a hairdresser now. Well, I think that he could. I think that like who knows? Maybe behind the scenes he's doing Elliot's hair. You know, his hair does look slightly better this season. Yeah, and that's kind of why I I genuinely actually this episode had the thoughts like, oh, Nate's hair looks better than it usually does. Yeah. So like, like it's still bad, but it's not as bad as normal. Yeah. So I think like maybe maybe that's something. Mm. Basically, I think that Nate was in like home ec. Okay. You know. <laughs> Yeah. Like, he learned how to sew, he learned how to cook, he learned yeah. some, you know, I don't know, you don't do hairdressing in home ec, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. I think, oh god, I don't really know. What else? Maybe gardening? Mm. I don't really know what you get okay. taught in No, that's prison. okay. I was just like, I just wanted to see if you had any guesses. We did see him in the library a lot. Yeah. Maybe Nate writes fanfic now. Maybe he's an author. I have a question for you. Yeah. Off the back of that. Uh-huh. If Nate was going to write fanfiction which fandom would it be about? Because we know Hardison would probably be, like, Doctor Who, Mm -hmm. Star Trek, but, like, Nate. I feel like maybe, like, the X-Files or something along Mm. those lines. Mm -hmm. Or maybe, like, Twin Peaks. Ooh, do you know what? Like, detective, murder mystery, sort of, like, big... The sort of stuff that's, like, big unresolved plots that he has to put a lot of thought into to solving plots first. Mm -hmm. Do we think that Nate shipped John Locke? No. <laughs> I think he's too straight to ship John Locke. That's a good point. That's a good point. But no, so that's the sort of like... Yeah, crime. So we think like he's probably watching like Poirot and like... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, do you know what? Do also, you know we what? do learn uh, later on that he's a massive fan of like classic murder mystery movies. Ooh, okay. Like, like okay. from the 40s, 50s, 60s classic murder mystery movies. That's fun. Do you know what I think the team should have a movie night and watch? Mm. Knives Out. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just feel like that could be fun. Yeah. I feel like they would have a have a time. Anyway, sorry, I've derailed this. No, that's okay. Very briefly, the guy in the anime dress... I don't know what to talk about it, but it feels weird to not mention it. Yeah, but I also do love his costume. Like, I think it's genuinely a really nice costume. Yeah, I thought I, it was really, yeah. like, quite well made and stuff. I was confused as to what they were trying to imply with it, I think, I the think, thing. I think the implication is, like, they thought this was Parker's address, and then they just see a random dude with a full beard and a Sailor Moon okay, costume. Okay, so clearly not Parker's address. Yeah. Yeah, okay, because I was like, I am lost here. Oh, did she go to a convention hall? Like, I was confused. Okay. Yeah. I have a quick note about my notes, which mm-hmm. is that my fucking phone kept auto-correcting Storenko to Stefano. So every okay. single time... So it's no longer Storenko, it's a Stefano. <laughs> it's so annoying. I thought I corrected them all back, but I apparently haven't. Mm. I want to mention that Hardison refers to Parker as Mama twice in this episode. Mm. And I'm confused by the terminology, but yeah. I appreciated the tone with which it was presented. I think it's like... I, th- I think it's meant to be just, like... I don't know. Hardison feels like a character to me who calls people, like... Weird pet names. Weird pet names. <laughs> like, I feel like it's just a weird pet name. Like, it's, yeah. Like, you know how, like... Typically, like, Elliot will call people, like, darling and sweetheart. Like... Yeah. I think Mama is just, like... Mama and Baby are, like, the two that, like, Hardison goes to. Yeah. Like, and I think that's hilarious because it's like, ah, oh, yes, mother's an infant. <laughs> but... He, I, totally normal demographic. Yeah, absolutely. So, I think that... Oh, it's actually very Dean Winchester coded of him. He's just assorting people into either parental figures or child <laughs> figures. But <laughs> I do think it's interesting, like, the way that he was speaking to Parker in this episode. Yeah. Like, 
I mean, they've been putting, like, romantic little bits in for Parker and Hardison, like, since day dot. And so it was nice to hear, like, the reassurance that he was Mm. trying to give her. He's like, we're here. Like, I got you. Like, you know. And it ties back into Nate saying, like, for Parker, Mm. can you do it? And so even though it seemed like a weird, like, choice in pet name, I did really like the way that the line was delivered. I thought, like, conveyed... The sense of like, the sentiment was there if the choice yes. to call her mama was a little weird. Was unhinged. Yes. <laughs> While we are still here, I do have just some like some tiny little Parker moments. I just really want to, I want to put them out into the universe because I just I love them. Yeah. Like straight up when she's like laser tripwires in a ventilation shaft, she sounds so mad and I love it mm-hmm. because she's right. It's hundred percent overkill. Like mm-hmm. from top to bottom, overkill. I also love when they're like look around, tell us what, like, what do you see? And just, like, a bunch of people stealing stuff. They're not good at it. Yeah. (laughs) Like, iconic. I love her. I wanted to talk about the moment in the vault where she has the um, canister. Yeah. And she does look so happy and proud of herself. And then Elliot goes, oh, that's great. You're awesome. Let's go. I loved that because it was like, yeah, she is amazing and awesome, but also this is not the time. No. And we also do get Elliot being like, I'm not big on like climbing a 40-story building in broad daylight. And they're yeah. like, fucking make it work. Everyone else is. Stop bitching us out. Yeah. Like, I also love that Elliot is fucked off this entire episode. Yeah. Like, he... He chose anger and yeah. he ran with it. And mm-hmm. I did enjoy it greatly. And he has that great little, I really love the slide he does. Yes. Where he just goes whoop, and takes out their legs. Yes. I loved that. It was so good. It was so fun. But And then he just like pops back up and I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I also loved that at the end when they're sort of dropping past the window on mm-hmm. the, I don't know what you call it, the platform. Oh, thing. the like window cleaner. Yeah, 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 yeah. You would know window washer Jamie core, but... <laughs> God, that's a whole callback. <laughs> but it's not even for this podcast. No. But when they're dropping down and you get this kind of like dramatic hair flip from Sophie as she like takes yeah. her hair out or whatever. But then Elliot, like half a second later, also does a dramatic hair flip. And it was so funny. I was like, that was a beautiful choice. Mm-hmm. I appreciate greatly. <laughs> that is a shot that they use in a lot of gift sets. Like, yeah, <laughs> that is like the descent, the descent of the where you just get like the, the yeah. hair going. And mm-hmm. like, it's a classic team gloat moment because mm-hmm. it's. It's that ultimate moment of like, nah, fuck you, bitch. Yeah. We're not going to let you kill millions of people to make a profit. Yeah. Although I knew exactly where they were going. As soon as she started talking, I was like, oh, I know exactly what her mm-hmm. plan is. Like, I mean, we talk about GMOs a lot. Well, <laughs> GMOs are like, you know, a very prevalent topic in yeah. like nutrition and food sciences. So I'm like vividly aware yeah. of, you know, the situations with them and like the science that goes into it. But... What I do want to, like, point out is, first of all, the fucking market share graphic, when she pulls up the data, is so funny. It looks like word art. It's hilarious. It's so good. (laughs) Her graphics in that PowerPoint are incredible. The map with the blight spreading. I know. It looks like, you know, Plague Inc., that game? It Mm -hmm. looked exactly like that to me. And I was like, this is hilarious. I do want to point out, though, that this lady is a moron. Like, Mm -hmm. She's very, very, very academic, clearly. Like, she's a genius, but she's also stupid. Because, like, literally all of that work, over two years and $60 million, and you're literally planning to cause a globally impactful famine, right? She sort of, like, 
essentially she's doing that thing that villains and stories sometimes to do where she's like manufacturing a problem just so that she can be the savior figure. Yeah. Oh my God. It's like the Incredibles, you know, that redheaded kid yeah. in the Incredibles and he creates syndrome. Syndrome. Thank you. Yeah. My God. I can't believe I forgot syndrome, but like he creates this monster designed so that only he can defeat it so that he looks like the yeah. ultimate superhero. She's doing the same thing, mm-hmm. but what she's doing, which is so, so stupid, is she is just telling someone her whole fucking plan. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if it works or not. Because, like, Sophie, she doesn't know who Sophie is. She just mm-hmm. thinks she's some random fucking woman. But that random fucking woman could go to any news station and be like, hey, this is what this woman just told me. And even if they didn't believe her then in that moment, six months down the track... As long as they had recorded proof of yeah, her saying this, like... Well, it's not even that, but, like... Six months down the track, when the exact thing that Sophie tried to tell them would happen happens, suddenly her story has a lot more fucking credibility, and this woman is completely implicated. Mm-hmm. Like, unless her plan was also to kill Sophie, which yeah. it could have been, but also, it, it, you know? Ridiculous. Mm. Ridiculous. I, I do just want to highlight that Dr. Hannity went to Stanford. Uh-huh. Yeah. Really quickly. And I do have a question relating to this. Mm -hmm. So we know Sam, law boy at Stanford, Winchester. Yes. What is Dr. Hannity's? Ooh. And at Stanford Hannity. Do we actually get... I'm pretty sure we do, but I didn't write it down. Like, the name of the course. Like, she studied... Agronomy. Agronomy. Oh, that's hard. Law boy is just so iconic. I'm trying to think of an equivalent that's just as good, you know? And it's quite difficult. GMO girl at Stanford. <laughs> GMO girl. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and GMO girl at, at Stanford.edu. Stanford. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there we go. We, we've done it. That's hilarious. Cracked. Do you, do you think they were buds? They would have gone to school at the same time, theoretically. Like I think they would have been in such different departments that they would have never. That's been. true. That's true. What a shame. I know. They could have been an unstoppable force. Mm. Sam could have taken her legal cases. Also, I found the note that I wanted to highlight about Parker earlier that I forgot. Mm. She goes, who is he to the comms? And then she says, who is he to the dude? Like, she just completely forgets that talking to other people is an option. I know. Oh, also, on the note of, like, the people in the cubicles. So, Mm. Hardison, genius that he is, gets the comms to Parker by putting them in the envelope to be delivered. In the intramail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he, uh, yeah. Yeah. And so... The guy, like, is walking around delivering mail. He walks past someone, full head in their hands, sobbing at their desk, puts some mail down, and just keeps walking. Like, no fucking questions asked. Doesn't even fucking blink. And I'm like, first of all, either this is such a common occurrence that you're just desensitized to it, or two... You're a raging lunatic. Why would you not check on this man? Like, the male dude is an icon. The male dude is unbelievable. To me, those are the only two options. Either it's, like, so commonplace that it's like, yeah, this is just Tuesday, or he's just doesn't care at all. And I'm like, wow. It's okay. He should really remember that 40 is the new 25. <laughs> and that's so true. Look, I just can't get up. That dude is so sweet. Like, he he just wants oh, to meet. Yeah, he mm-hmm. just wants to meet who he's been sexting. And Parker just know, needs to know what sexting is. I... Another cast-coded thing. But (laughs) I love Elliot being like, I am not explaining this to you. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, another quick note. I'm confused about two things Mm -hmm. in this episode. And granted, given how, like, completely impossible it would be to overthrow this particular Mm -hmm. uh, system, I do have two notes where I'm like, this feels... Like, I'm confused about the mechanics. Mm -hmm. Number one is that 
Hardison is a fucking genius and I love him. Mm-hmm. But he finds the like actual hardware in the wall yeah. and he drills into it manually and is actually hacking directly into like the main line. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, cool. I don't really understand the technology involved no. there, but like yada yada, hand wavy, even if it's not technically possible, I'll believe it for the sake of the yeah. episode. But the office that he's in has a, a wall that is entirely glass and it goes out into like the main office area. I'm like, did no one notice him drilling into the wall? Like, did no one be like, huh, what's he doing? Like, I, I just think that's so funny that he is fully taken out of power Maybe drill. It's one of those, like, you know how you get the windows where it's like it's tinted so you can't look in, but you can look out? I mean, maybe, but I just, maybe, maybe, maybe. but I just thought it yeah. was so funny. I was like, yeah, because there's not even any lines or anything that he could have put down while he was doing it. No. And like, it's funny because normally they would make a show of like looking out the blinds and like closing them or whatever. But for some reason they didn't. And they established the glass wall after they showed him drilling into it. So it was just so funny to me. I was like, I love that no one batted an eye at that. Mm. But the other thing that does uh, confuse me a little is when he is talking to Parker, first of all, props to Parker for memorizing Mm. a mobile number that isn't her own because I know so many landline numbers. Actually, when I, I don't think she has memorized it because she pulls out her own cell phone, which is obviously oh. like the building's blocking it, but she'd still have access to it. Right. That's a good point. I didn't yeah. even think about that. I was but just... then that makes no sense as to why Hardison's cell phone works, but hers doesn't. Oh, yeah. Because you'd think they'd be the same tech. Yeah. Good plot hole. point, actually. Found a plot, plot hole. hole. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Or maybe it's just blocked from making outgoing. But that seems weird. Anyway, so point is, she calls Hardison and they're having their, like, back and forth. But Hardison makes the point that, like, you're basically telling the program where you are. You've only got, like, another 10 seconds before it's going to know your exact location. And I was kind of like, how? Because it's an office building. And they all have internal phone lines. Literally any employee could be using the phone for its intended purpose how I think would it know, unless it's listening for, like, voice, like, because you know how you can have voice-activated yeah. stuff, maybe it's looking for, vo- like, voice patterns, yeah. and if a pattern doesn't fit, but I'm like, it's a I don't think line. it's that. I actually think it's um, looking at the numbers that it's calling. Oh. So, like, okay. all the others would be calling, like, maybe various suppliers, maybe, like, if, say you're in marketing, mm. there would be certain numbers that you'd call over and over and over again. So yeah. it's looking, like, because it's currently looking out who's calling where, it would go, that is not a number that's ever been called by a number four. So they're going, we need to go and check this out. I so if guess. you were just an, an employee making a normal phone call that was like, oh, maybe like one of your suppliers changed, department or, changed yeah. numbers or something like that. So you're calling a different number. It doesn't matter because like the they would go, they'd confirm that you are who you are meant to be mm-hmm. and then they'd move on. But it's just like any number that hasn't been called by the company before is getting flagged I as so. possibly the intruder. I guess, because then my thought would be like, okay, but like, I've definitely called like my mum before from work phones, like, you know, and so it it was just like a little confusing for me as to how it would, I understand it being like identifying that a call is being made. Yeah. My only thought was that maybe it was because it was a landline making a call to a mobile within the same building. Yeah. So I was like, so I I think it's, I think it's honestly just like who the call is getting made to. Yeah. I think it's like. This is a number that this phone has never called before. Mm. We've currently got an intruder. Yeah. Seems weird that this phone number is making a call to a number that it's never made a call to before. Yeah. We should go and check it out. Like, we don't recognize the number. We don't know. Yeah, so it flags it. Okay. So it flags it. Right. And they're like, we got to go and check it out. And that's why it's like the system's like, oh, that's... 
yeah, this location is yeah. being suspicious. Okay. All right. I got you. Because that was probably the one thing where I was like, I just don't quite understand how that is supposed to work. But that makes sense. If they're tracking, like, the actual number that's being dialed. Because yeah. I thought it was more like listening to the conversation. But I was like, it's an office building with 40 floors. Like, Surely, you cannot. Yeah. And there was, like, one man standing at the computer monitor. I was like, and he wasn't even wearing a headset. I'm like, he's not going to nothing- call. Nothing that they actually said was like incriminating in itself. Yeah, no, it yeah. was like, oh, I'm already here, mum. Like none of none of the conversation was like, yeah, specifically incriminating. Yeah, none of the words that they used. Like she didn't say I broke into the building. Like mm-hmm. she just said I'm trapped in the building. Like yeah, like the words that they used were not like inherently incriminating. But no, I've always just put it down to like the they're like, oh well, this is a weird number for someone to be calling in the middle of like us. Going mm-hmm. floor to floor. Yeah, in the middle of a lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just want to talk about how smart Parker is this episode. Oh, Like, yeah. she immediately puts together the puzzle pieces of, like, there is a record of a break-in. Mm-hmm. Like, she's like, yeah, but there's a record of the break-in. Like, mm-hmm. if they know someone broke in, she can just take it. Yeah. And pin it on the break-in. Because yeah. now, like, there is extensive records. Yeah, it doesn't actually like, matter if they're successful in the robbery. The fact that they attempted it... And also that the intruder escaped. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, well, they they can never actually discount the possibility that the intruder just took it. Like, it's mm-hmm. the logical jump. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, and that's actually really, considering this episode is, like, interesting in the sense that I think it's the most we have ever seen the team panicked. It is the most on the fly, I think, we've yeah. ever seen them. Even, like, the bottle job was less mm-hmm. on the fly than this episode. And so... The bottle job was different because they were just running an established con mm. on the fly. Like, they all knew their basic roles that they had to play. Yeah. But they were just doing it on the fly. Whereas this is like, oh, no, they didn't even, like, they're in an unknown location. They they don't have a specific scam or game that they're running. They have done no background research. They've done no background research. They don't even know who the actual Mark is until mm. it's revealed in the evil villain monologue <laughs> where she's like... Look at my terrible infographics. Yeah. <laughs> No, Parker is... This is another one of those episodes where it's nice that it highlights the skills outside of the ones that they're pinned mm. with. You know, like, outside of the fact that she is good at stealing stuff, it's, like, so much more than that. Yeah. Like, she's good at thinking on her feet. She is piecing together the puzzle as she goes, you know. Um, and it's nice that they've highlighted that as, like, a skill as yeah. well. Yeah. But also, actually, and this is on a Parker growth thing, mm. she knew when she was too far in it and she knew yeah. to call for help. Like, and she knew that they would have her back. Yeah. Despite the fact she essentially took an outside job. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that was all of the points I had to make. Did you have anything remaining? Yeah. I want to talk about the very start of the episode. Yeah. Sophie and Nate. Now. Oh, yeah. Sophie, I sort of glossed over that earlier. Sophie and Nate has is such a wild fucking yeah. roller coaster ride for me. It's well documented. But. Sophie and Nate has never felt as forced as it did in the beginning of this episode. I don't know if it's just me, but, like, all of a sudden this thing that is, like... Like, yeah, it's been obviously at the forefront of a lot of the, like, inter-team drama and Mm. stuff. But, like, this scene, something about it, I was like, I feel like they're trying to add attention. I don't think they're adding tension for the sake of adding tension. I think they're trying to add essentially a red herring. I think the start of the episode is less we got to add tension for the sake of, like, the Nate Sophie storyline and more we have to add tension to this scene because if there's no tension to that scene, then it's sort of like we don't know where the tension – like, it it sort of 
it's like, does the tension lie here or does the tension lie there? Like, mm. where does the, like, I think it's just for, like, the purpose of the storytelling in this episode is, like, they wanted to sort of, like, be, like, a bit of a misdirect and, like, a bit, like, yeah. where is the tension going to lie in this episode? Like, are Sophie and they going to be able to pull it together mm. to get Parker out? Personally. I don't know. This, considering, like, personally, I don't think Nate and Sophie feels very rushed just because... I don't think it feels no. rushed. I just think but that this particular they scene... They feel like they're pushing it a lot. Yeah. Which is weird because they don't normally push it. It's like they pushed it for the first half of the first season, realized it wasn't going to work, and stepped all the way back. Mm-hmm. So it's weird that they decided to push it in this episode. Yeah. And I think that's like... I, I understand like it being like a misdirect. Like that yeah. makes sense. But for me, I was just kind of like... Unnecessary. Well, yeah. And it felt like very overt. Mm-hmm. Like they're very overtly flirting. Yeah. But, and this is what sort of led me to believe, like, that maybe Sophie was just giving Nate shit about yeah. the, like, my name yeah. is the code. Because I was like, she's, she knows what she's doing. Yeah. Obviously. And he knows, everyone knows this what's This is Sophie happening. knows what she's doing, Devereux. Like. Mm. Yeah. Or actually, Redacted knows what she's doing. Redacted. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. So, I don't, I don't know. Something about this, that scene at the very start, I was like, I, it just feels... Because I got quite, I got quite used to Sophie and Nate, and like the way that their relationship kind of yeah. feels. And when they had like the dramatic kiss at the end of the last season, mm-hmm. I was like, that it made sense. Like, yeah. But this feels like it feels like they had the dramatic kiss at the end of last season, and then they were like, oh shit, we don't know what to do about it now. Yeah. Nah, I guess we'll make it awkward. Like, like we we knew how to write pining. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to write not pining. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, although I did love the line about, I remember a slap. You're still working off the slap. Iconic. She's a babe. Mm. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to add about that scene? No, I don't Or think any so. scene in general? No, I think, I'm, I think I'm good. All right, lovely. That brings us to the end of the episode. So how would you rate the inside job out of five? I, I'm tossing up between a three and a three and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, only because something about this episode wasn't clicking for me. Yeah. Like, I liked it. There are a lot of points that I really liked. Mm. But it was just something wasn't yeah. quite there. And especially, like, we've had a lot of episodes now that I've really loved. Yeah. I, I'll i give it a 3.5. Yeah. Because I really like mm-hmm. that we get a bit of Parker backstory. Yeah. I would give it a 4 if I enjoyed Archie's portrayal more. Yeah. But I think that that's where it loses points for me. Yeah. No worries at all. Our new question of the season, how does this tie into finding Moreau? Slash, do you think it ties into getting to Moreau? I think it has to. I think that it's the security system. Mm-hmm. They, this episode, as much as it was a Parker episode, it was also a let's highlight this security system. Like yeah. so much screen time and dialogue was devoted mm-hmm. to how it works and like the different components and how you could potentially overcome it and like, you know, mm-hmm. I think that that has to be, it has to be relevant. And, you know, so I think that that is going to be how it works. In terms of the corporations, they did mention specifically, like, there are five, like, corporations that basically run the, like, global economy and it's all based in wheat. And so, like, maybe that comes into it. Maybe it's, like, one of those is directly related to Moreau or maybe even this company is directly related. Who knows? Maybe he's a fucking Stanford graduate. Mm. I it, <laughs> it could be all three, but I know I definitely think if I had to put money on something, I would say that it's the technology that is going to yeah. be relevant. Even maybe if he designed the technology, mm. like if his company makes, yeah, or it's like one of the companies he's like got fingers in, yeah, you know, runs that mm. particular program. Maybe okay, lovely. The next episode is called 
the Scheherazade job. Mm. What do you think it's about? I have no thoughts. You have no thoughts? No thoughts. Okay. So I'm going to give you a little bit of assistance um, just because it's no fun if you just say you have no thoughts. Yeah, sorry. I sorry. have no idea what that word actually means. The Scheherazade job? Uh, that's okay. This I is one and I'm, job. <laughs> I'm going to explain to you what Scheherazade is. Okay, thank you. Because do you know how you have like episodes of Supernatural where the title is a reference to something? Yes. So Scheherazade is a reference. Okay. Specifically to the story of 101 Arabian Nights. That would be so helpful if I knew what that story was about. Okay, so essentially... <laughs> Scheherazade is a character in the story. Yeah. And basically what happens is there's an emperor. He marries like a hundred women. Each night he decides he's dissatisfied with them and he murders them on the first day. Oh my God. Until Scheherazade. Scheherazade is the final one. And each night she tells the emperor a story so suspenseful that he dare not kill her. Mm. Lest he never find out how the story ends. Mm -hmm. So it is... A story of basically this woman surviving until the emperor falls in love with her. Interesting. Yeah. Based on that, I'm going to say it's a Sophie episode. (laughs) I'm going to suggest that it's Nate earning off the slap. Okay. That's going to be my Mm. guess. Not that I think Nate is a multi-murderer. Like, you know, I don't don't think that Maggie's going to wind up dead in a ditch. But, like... And Maggie is not Scheherazade. Like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think, but based on what you've just said, like, the idea of, like, weaving a story Mm -hmm. and, like, it being so suspenseful, I think that really, like, could tie into the whole, like, Nate Sophie, like, she's not who Mm -hmm. she portrays herself as and also like Nate had this idea of their story which he then finds out is like completely subverted because Sterling also knew her just as someone else and like you know so he thought that this was like unique to them but actually it's just what she does and so yeah that's gonna be my guess I don't know I don't really know how that could come into like the plot yeah unless maybe they're gonna do some sort of like more meta Mm -hmm. approach and it's actually gonna be about like maybe it is I don't know maybe it's like a copyright infringement and it's maybe it's about Nate's fanfic Oh, who knows? Maybe, you know. Absolutely. There's a hit out on him because he didn't tag his uh, main character death (laughs) appropriately, you know. But yeah, who knows? I think, I mean, from what you've just told me, I think it is going to be at least have a theme of storytelling. Yeah. And I mean, we got a Taylor Swift reference this episode, so maybe it's going to be. Though whether it was a Taylor Swift reference or they just like the name (laughs) Thomas Swift, I don't know. I'll take it. Um,. Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for spending your time with us. If you would like to interact with us any further, we can be found on various social media platforms. All the links shall be in the link tree in the description. Suggested topics of conversation include... I want people's thoughts on Archie. Yep. I'm getting the idea that he's a divisive... Yeah, some people... I think some people really love Archie and some people really hate Archie. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah. I'm 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 gonna step back and see what everyone else thinks. I wanna know what everyone thinks of what you've said this episode. <laughs> I I just want them to come to the spoiler chat channels with me and just like let's just discuss some of what Beth has said. Namely all the ways in which she is both wrong and right. Wonderful. Thrilled that I could provide this fodder for you. <laughs> oh, I don't think Beth knows what sexting is. Maybe maybe hey! explain it to her. I've seen Bo Burnham's special inside. I know the sexting song. Anyway, no. Yeah. Oh, hey. Okay. If you're going to talk to Jamie about 
ways that I've been unintentionally wrong and right, um, you can come talk to me about Parker's cast coding. I would love yeah. to talk about that because I can't with Jamie because she doesn't get it yet. <laughs> she will, but not yet. So <laughs> if you have seen Also Supernatural, please come talk to me about Parker's cast coding because I am into that. Thank you so much for your time today, tonight, morning. I thought you were say tomorrow. <laughs> today, tonight, tomorrow. <laughs> Yesterday, today, tomorrow. Always Thank you so forever. much for joining us. Always and forever. <laughs> Sincerely, Jamie and Beth. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Maybe that should be our outro. Always and forever. <laughs>